0: From your truck to your trail camera, Interstate Batteries has you covered. Visit your local Interstate Battery store today or online at interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. Welcome to the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast, brought to you by Exodus Trail Cameras, the number one podcast for bow hunting product information and hunting stories from across the nation. And now, here's your nine-fingered host, Dan Johnson. Five, four, three, two, one. Happy Monday, everybody. Hopefully, everybody had a great weekend. I tell you, I celebrated my daughter's fifth Birthday this weekend. Um, it was my first ever experience with a slumber party with five girls that were five, four, and five years old, and that was a very unique experience for me because you know I'm the dad who you know like I yell at my kids when they're naughty, but I can't yell at somebody else's kids when they're naughty. So. Uh, like when they're jumping on the couch. Oh, we don't jump on the couch here. When if it was my kid, I'd be like, "Stop jumping on the couch!" Ah! You know, like just go bananas, right? So, uh, I'm I'm a dad who parents with his voice <laughs> uh, by yelling at his kids. But anyway, birthday party. It was a success. I can't believe I'm saying this. You know, I'm I'm gonna say that I am officially that dad who is like oh you need to like you need to slow down growing up because she's growing up so fast it's making me feel old and time is absolutely flying by and I I guess that is I guess that's part of life but it's like it just keeps reminding me that every moment in this world is precious, and um, you gotta spend as much time with your family as humanly possible. Because just like you know, with me and my daughter, she's five already. I, f- I feel like she was born yesterday, and uh, time is absolutely flying by. So you gotta cherish the moments, spend as much time with the family as possible. But there is times when you. Won- are able to get away from the family, and today, which I'm recording this on a Sunday night, was one of those days that I will always remember. I've had a handful of really good days of shed hunting, and the, one of the first ones that comes to my mind is a shed hunt that I went on. It was just like uh, an hour walk where I found three sheds. It was the biggest matching set I have ever found. It's like in the 150s. And then a big, I'm going to have to say high 160s, low uh, or a high 60 inch side, low 70 inch side. I, and I found that all in one walk in this one little peninsula. And uh, that sticks out. And today I went on another little walk where. Man, I was only out there for probably an hour and a half, and I all I did was scrub buffer strips and erosion strips. So um, I guess they're kind of the same thing, but a buffer strip is the grass that's been planted or left there uh, between the fence and the field, right? So it basically helps prevent erosion. And then what I call... Uh, an erosion strip, it's the same thing, but all the low spots in the field. So when the water runs off of the, um, when the water runs off of the field, it goes to the grass and all the dirt slows down. So it just doesn't wash everything straight into all the creeks, right? So historically, I've always had, you know, a, a decent, uh, I guess, decent time, and a decent success finding sheds. In those areas so today I went on a really quick walk Um, well I I guess I should back up a bit I had one more tree stand left to take down and because it was so sloppy out I couldn't drive my truck all the way to that tree stand what I had to do was park at the drive and then I had to take a, a long walk to one of my you know my last tree stand so instead of going right there to the you know right there to that I ended up uh, taking some back the back way in and walking through some of the timber through some of the ridges and looking for some sheds Um, I came up with one decent shed you know nothing it looked like it could be of a buck actually that has is living one of his last years you know just a really good mass but really short tines just looks like it's melted it looks like you know your typical buck that is past his prime and just not, you know, not uh, doing well or whatever. And so I took down my tree stand, went back to the truck, and then I headed to this cornfield again, uh, where I've always found success. Now I get out, I get out of the car, and basically just think of it as a W, right? The d- the W is the buffer strip, the buffer strips, the grassy areas and along the fence lines and the, and, and the, all the extra space is the cornfield. So what I do is I just walk the fence lines where that grass is. And sure enough, man, that's when I started finding them in uh, the first shed I found in that field was the biggest one of the day, and it measured out at uh, 65 and 5'8". So it's one of the biggest sheds I've ever found. I'm pretty pumped about it. Uh, and <laughs> I got a lot of shit because I posted a couple pictures on it, and I put my mother-in-law bought me this trophy tape and it's made by wild game innovations <laughs> and you know wild game innovations everybody hates them right now and um, so I measured it up and I started getting guys talking shit to me on uh, Instagram saying dude you're supporting wild game innovations I'm just like I got it for free my mother-in-law got it for me at some I don't know where she got it from it was like 90 cents for uh, three rolls of it so anyway I'll never do that again but anyway, measured it out, and uh, it's a buck that I I had trail camera pictures of all year round, uh, from the summer to this year, and he was in the same exact area where I was getting all the uh, pictures. Literally, probably seventy or eighty yards away from where I had my uh, trail camera, is where I found his right side. So I uh, didn't didn't match him up, but uh, there's a lot of area left that I didn't check over there, there's a huge CRP field to the south that I probably won't do, um, that I'll probably do next weekend with my wife when we, uh, when we go shed hunting, but, um, so anyway, back to th- this walk, and in this walk took me about an hour and a half, two hours, walking the buffer strips, walking the, uh, um, the erosion strips, pop it into uh, some timber, whenever there was some timber, maybe that led up to it, but typically this cornfield is surrounded by other ag, a road, and a big CRP field, so it's not like there's a ton of habitat for them to, uh, I guess not your typical habitat as far as timber is concerned you know when you're thinking of iowa you think of all these fingers and of timber that are coming up to it but these deer are living fairly close or in this buffer strip because i found a lot of beds i found a lot of fresh tracks and trails and it rained the past two days so that tells me that they were in this field last night and this morning so some of these sheds are probably, you know, I'd say within a week old to uh, one, one or two of them looked like they're maybe two weeks. You know, they had grass on top of them. It looked like they've, they've been snowed on and then that's melted. But anyway, so that's where all these sheds were at. That was and they were all in kind of an area where it was flat and they were eating the last bit of green foliage that they could find in these uh, in these strips and uh, then on the, the, the tip of the center part of the W there's some cedars in this buffer strip with some uh, other smaller trees that kind of follow this low spot where a crick runs uh, it's not really a crick it's just water drainage basically and I found three more sheds in that portion in beds right so they were laying down where the sun could hit them um, and with I guess like a tree or um, high ground to their uh, to the north with, so they're back so they would be below so any wind would blow off of them and they'd still get uh, hit by the sun to keep them warm and as you guys all know this Summer or this winter has been extremely cold, and uh, so if these animals they they're gonna bed as close to the food source as possible, which is this cornfield, and they want to be in the sunlight, which direct sunlight in the middle of the day, perfect bedding area for these uh, animals, and to get out of the wind. So these the cedar thicket blocked all the wind, or the high ground, and the wind would just go right over top of them. So they had optimal bedding and optimal food in this field uh, and they were close to it. So they didn't have to spend any additional unwanted energy to get to this, uh, to get to this location. So I kicked up, Oh, a handful of does, nothing, you know, no bucks. You know, they could have skirted out when they heard my truck pull up and I started walking because when I shed hunt, I don't pay attention to the wind direction. I just go in. So they could have uh, took the low route out And I found eight sheds in this cornfield in the buffer strips. Now, the crazy thing about this whole thing is this is they were all like all but two of them were right sides. I matched up a very small set and then um, there was one other uh, left side and that was from the previous farm where I uh, took down my tree stand and the rest were right sides. So I had, let's see, I found nine sheds, seven right sides. So that tells me that I, yeah, I found I found nine sheds today, but just imagine what I walked by or, you know, like they, they dropped tines up in some tall grass and I just, you know, walked right by them or I never saw them. And I like to shed hunt in dark days overcast days because for some reasons the shed pops out a little bit more and even if it's wet a little bit so if it's like wet and it's overcast for some reason this time of year the sheds just pop out of the surrounding now when it's bright and sunny like it was today you have to have your back to the sun and walk in a certain direction so I found a shed today and instead of going right to it to pick it up, I decided I want to loop around this little um, outcropping of one of these buffer strips just to see if there was anything in there. And I walked all the way around it and the sun was now kind of, in the shed was between me and the sun and I could not see it. And I kept walking closer and closer and couldn't couldn't see it my eyes weren't adjusting and it looked it blended in with the grass so perfectly that I had to change my strategy from that point on today and I had to walk not just walk in these big loops I had to walk shorter loops in these buffer strips back and forth back and forth back and forth and then turn around and look back away from the sun so that I would you know, get a better view uh, if there was something laying. Now, if they if I did approach it with my back to the sun, a lot of these sheds they just popped out very well today. But uh, you know, there's some taller grass in these buffer strips and, you know, when you find seven right sides with no matches, it just makes me think that there are there's a lot more out there that I missed or they're in that big CRP field to the south. So, you know, Still a lot of shed hunting to do. Uh, there's some big timber to the north that I still have to hit. I'll definitely be hitting that uh, that field again because <laughs> I told my wife, honey, I'm going to be home at 3 o'clock today. And at 3 o'clock is when I called her and said, uh, I am, I've run into a shit ton of sheds. Uh, I'm going to keep walking this field. And uh, I got lucky today. She didn't get mad at me. So, uh, so that's good. But next weekend I'm taking her out and, uh, hopefully we can have the same luck, man. I tell you what, this is the, like, I've, I keep hearing people talk about how awesome this February has been for shed hunting because, uh, typically I won't find I, over the years, I, late February has never been really good for me. I've found plenty of sheds you know, that first and second week up into the third week of March, but never ever done really well in February. Uh, And uh, you know, that all changed today. I mean, I found the food and I found the cover and I think that's, you know, something else that I kind of want to get into is, you know, a lot of people reach out to me and they're like, Dan, where are you finding these sheds at? I mean, I've shed hunted my whole life and you found more today than, I've ever, you know, I've found in my whole life. And, you know, today I definitely got lucky, right? You walk into an area where there's a food source and there's, you know, optimal cover. And this time of year, man, if uh, if that food source can sustain the herd, that's where they're going to be. So I got lucky. But over the years, right, this time of year, the deer are still on that pattern, man. They're on that f- bed to food pattern and you know in a lot of places where there's still snow on the ground luckily I didn't have to fight any snow today Uh, I just had to fight a lot of mud because of, of the thaw but what I think made all this just perfect today was last week we still had a lot of snow on the ground right so that heavy snow padded all of the grass down then it rained and the temperature increased, and the snow melted, and the grass stayed flat. Uh, I even popped into the timber a little bit, and all the leaves were down, all the grass was still down from that snow and that rain, and everything was just flat. So if a shed was laying there, it just popped out, right? I mean, it it was pretty easy to find if they were there. Now, how do I approach kind of a shed season? Earlier on, like, let's say if I do get the opportunity to go to a, you know, multiple weeks, I will start with the food sources, right? Because, you know, where do deer spend a majority of their time? They spend it eating or they spend it bedded. So I like to go to the places that have the food sources and I walk those first, Right, I walk the the cornfields, I walk the acorn flats, um, and I probably won't go into the beds quite possibly, you know, quite yet because, you know, in my area, uh, I don't have any trail cameras out right now, unfortunately, because I don't want them to get stolen. But I do uh, listen to a lot of people and who do run trail cameras, and in my area, and they're saying, you know, somewhere around. 60 to 50 percent are still holding their their antlers and um, so I'm not gonna go busting into the timber and knock them out of the area that areas that I can shed hunt quite yet. Uh, I'll save that for the next couple weeks once that uh, once March hits then is when I'm jumping into the bedding areas and then I'm doing these huge huge loops through the timber and walking those, the food source to the bedding area, and back and forth, and back and forth, and basically start that grid uh, of the, the grid searching of the 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 bed to food, you know, routine that these deer are taking every day. And if you play your cards right, you find that food source and you scrub it, and then you f- find that those transition areas um, and those staging areas. A lot of the times, uh, they'll hold up still in those staging areas, and uh, like some of these grassy areas it's almost like a buffer strip of grass between the timber and the field and if you can find find those and just kind of go back and forth in in there i've had really good luck Um, but a majority of the shed antlers that i have found throughout all of the years have been at the food source You know, their head's coming up, their head's going down. I think that has something to do with it. A lot of where the deer are moving the most, their head's coming up, that's going down to eat, they're moving around. That's just more of a likelihood the antler is going to fall off in those those areas or fence crossings, you know, another great place to look for shed antlers where, you know, they jump and it jars the antler loose. Honestly, myself, I've only found a handful of sheds at fence crossings, nothing, you know, it's not a place that I'm going to go out of my way to look and say, oh, I'm going to go check this particular fed fence crossing because I know every year there's going to be a shed there. That's not how it works, but bedding areas on South facing slopes where it's warm. If I can find, here's kind of a, if I'm in the timber, if I can find a cedar thicket, um, and on the south side of that cedar thicket, it's a little a little more open, uh, with some really good edge, maybe on a ridge, and all those things kind of line up. I found a lot of antlers uh, that way as well. Just on those northwest winds, when it's really cold, these deer hunker down in this the the thick stuff out of the wind, and uh, so they can still collect that sunlight. Uh, when it's out and about, I think that's a really good place to look for them as well. So it's, it's almost just like hunting, right? It's early season hunting. You are, you're looking for that bed to food pattern, bed to food, bed to food. And this time of year, they're still on that bed to food pattern. You're definitely going to be finding sheds, walking that bed to food pattern. And, and I just, and just walk and walk and, uh, and walk and basically that's what shed hunting is you keep your head down look back and forth and uh, it's pretty easy when you think about it you know if I was to explain to somebody okay here's what shed hunting is shed hunting is walking back and forth in an area with your head down looking for deer antlers it's it's pretty basic and if you have an area that has the the bed to food or the the bedding, the transition area, the staging area, the food source. Just walk back and forth, right? And if you have trail cameras out that tell you, hey man, uh, this is when I've had uh, some, you know, this is showing, my trail cameras are showing that there are antlers dropping. That's a good indicator of when you should go out and start looking for them. Uh, unfortunately, I don't have any trail cameras out right now, but... I got lucky today. That's all I can That's all I can really say. So that's kind of what I'm looking for when I go shed hunting is, is those specific areas. Um, this time of year is great, obviously. I had a great, beautiful day. The temperatures were in the 40s. Uh, it was really muddy. But, hey, man, I got to go outside, enjoy Mother Nature, and do something that I absolutely love to do. So hopefully you guys get the opportunity to get out there and... Do uh, uh, some shed hunting this year. I I get I get these guys from Michigan. They're like Dan. uh, I've never found a shed in Michigan. I don't know what to tell you. (laughs) I I can't give you any tips or tricks or hints on how to find deer. I guess that aren't there or where they go this time of year. I I mean, just I mean, deer have to eat. Deer have to sleep or bed. I, I mean. The only thing I can tell you is just bed transition staging, food source, and just go back and forth between those areas. And if there's deer, there, I mean, you're bound to find you're bound to find a shed at some point. So, uh, just keep grinding that out, and, and uh, good luck, uh, good luck shed hunting. Now, before we get into the next portion of this podcast, just really quick, want to send a shout out to, to Ozonics. Um, if you guys haven't already had the opportunity to play around with with an Ozonics man, they got a new product out. So just go to ozonicshunting.com and um, let's see here. Yeah, and uh, I'm telling you, I'm I'm just I just want to tell you guys that if you're the kind of guy who is all about opportunities right and if you're like me you have limited opportunities because family and full-time job and so basically you're out there as close to the rut as possible you know you might not be hunting early season as much or late season as much you know you talk with a wife and you take your time off and you get that week or two weeks or whatever however long you take to get out there and go hunt Every opportunity is important. Every sit is important. And that's one reason I really like an Ozonics is because I feel that every sit becomes just a little bit better if you have that ozone going downwind and helping you out downwind, right? I don't know how many times in the past I've been busted You know, I rattle or I grunt and something comes downwind, or they loop all the way downwind to to catch my scent, or, you know, just cruising deer downwind during the rut. I feel that an ozonics helps eliminate some of those negative situations and it allows every sit to be a little bit more efficient. And the more efficient every sit is, uh, the better chance you have of harvesting uh, the caliber of deer, I guess that it is you're chasing. So, uh, just keep, keep that in mind, you know, Google Ozonics, read the reviews. I mean, there's a lot of people out there who have found great success with them. I'm one of those. Um, I absolutely love Ozonics and ozone technology, not only in the field, but using my dry wash bag at home and, um, cleaning my clothes without having to clean my clothes, if that makes sense. So, um, If you are a listener of this podcast, you can get $75 off of all orders over $400 by entering the discount code 9FINGERS17, that's the number 9, followed by the word FINGERS17, no spaces, and you'll receive $75 off of all orders over $400. Now, finishing out this podcast... We have another announcement, right? So this podcast, the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast, is on the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network, right? So on this particular feed, you have Landon Legacy, you have the DIY Sportsman, you have the Nine Finger Chronicles, like I said, and you have the Southern Ground podcast, and you have the Transition Wild podcast, right? So today is the official launch of the Big Game Western Hunting Podcast RSS feed, right? So just like this RSS feed is is called Sportsman's Nation Whitetail, right? Whitetail hunting. I have a new RSS feed out, and that is Sportsman's Nation Big Game Western Hunting RSS feed, right? So if you go to sportsmen'snation.com you will see a page dedicated to big game and western hunting right and we have three podcasts that are up and running already on that RSS feed we have the transition wild podcast and it's going to be launching in two places for a while but eventually because it is a western themed podcast it will be removed from the whitetail feed and into the western feed and that's going to be it's new home um, but that probably will go another month or so just to let everybody know that that transition is going to happen. And then we have two new podcasts. We have the Son Outdoors podcast and we have the Hardworking Hunter podcast. And both of those podcasts revolve around Western big game style hunting, um, you know, elk and mule deer and, um, mountain goat hunting and uh, sheep hunting so a lot of really cool information coming down the pipe from that particular rss feed and uh, i mean from from guys who are getting it done being successful and telling awesome stories and giving tips and tactics not only a, a hunting strategy but gear as well you know like gear is very it is important when it comes to whitetail hunting but i feel that when you're out west and you're talking about western hunting and gear and you're up in elevation i think it it the gear that you use is even more important right and making sure that it works it's very important so that's really all i have to say today in today's podcast just uh keep an eye out for the western you know the the sportsman's nation big game western hunting rss feed go subscribe to it Um, even if you're a a whitetail guy i think there's a lot you can learn because if you're i'm a whitetail guy and i dream of western hunting all the time and uh you know it's just another place to get your fix and uh potentially learn how to maybe go on that 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 once in a lifetime trip out to hunt mule deer or elk or you know Mountain goat, or whatever it is, moose, whatever it is that you want to do, Uh, there's a lot of information that can help you accomplish that goal on that uh, RSS feed. So, I tell you what, guys, short podcast today. I really appreciate each and every one of you guys for listening. Uh, Thank you very much. Again, tune into the new uh, RSS feed, and you can find all that information on sportsmansnation.com. Go subscribe. If you already do subscribe, go leave a review, go to the sportsman's nation, Instagram page, like, and follow it. Facebook page, like, and follow it. Nine finger chronicles, Facebook and Instagram page, like, and follow it. Lots of great information coming through social media guys. I mean, the Instagram stories I do my whole shed hunt was on instagram today Uh, every shed that i found was documented and i think that's just uh that's really cool other than that if you're going to be taking down a tree stand removing it or doing something in a tree please be safe and wear your damn safety harness have a good day